Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 78. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs, and thank you for tuning in today. Today on the podcast, we've got a national treasure on the show because we've got Lisa McIsaac and Brenly McEachran. McEachran, I think I'm saying that right. Sorry, Brenly, if I'm butchering your name. But of course, they go by the name Madison Violet, and they are a Juno-nominated duo. They just released what is their, I believe, their eighth studio album. It's called Everything Shifting. We actually have a little bit of it to share with you today. It's excellent. They're also celebrating 20 years together as a duet. And we've got them here today on the Adamantium podcast. And actually, this episode was one that we consider one of the kitchen series as it was recorded in my kitchen uh, or the bird's nest, uh, as Eric Shankman from the Spin Doctors like to put it, because of the view. And we really had a great little chat. The girls are lovely. They're very, very sweet, very talented, and have been breaking boundaries since like the 90s. So very cool to have them over and to have them on the Adamantium podcast. Before we meet Madison Violet, let's do the Adamantium Recommends segment of the podcast, and that's where I recommend five songs by the artist to you that you can check out before or after, uh, in case you're not fully familiar with them already. So, starting with their new album, Everything Shifting, I'm going to recommend the songs Tell Me, which we're going to hear in a little bit, and the song Seal My Fate. Then going to their 2015 album, Year of the Horse, I'm going to recommend the song These Ships, which was remixed by Matt James, um, and it's a little bit of a different song for them. It's a little more dancey rather than folky, I guess. Then going to their 2009 album, No Fool for Trying, I recommend the song Small of My Heart. And lastly, going all the way back to their year 2000 album, Worry the Jury, I recommend the song Wake Up, which reminds me so much of a 90s tune, and we all know I love the 90s, so uh, love it. Check them out. And as I mentioned, we're actually lucky enough today to share with you Madison Violet's latest single, Tell Me, off their new album, Everything's Shifting. So take a listen. I really hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back soon. Figured it out 
is the song Tell Me by Madison Violet off their latest album, Everything Shifting. What did you guys think? I think it's a beautiful, beautiful tune. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And I'm very excited to introduce you to the girls. If this is the first episode of the Adamantium podcast that you're listening to, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope that you'll tune in again sometime. Don't forget to subscribe to us, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We're available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The handles are different on each, but you can find us just by searching The Adamantium. So I met with the girls actually back in September. This episode uh, has been on a little bit of a delay. So they give us some tour dates near the end of the interview, uh, some of which have actually already passed. They are currently touring in Germany in November, but they're back in Canada uh, and mostly in Ontario, I believe, in December, January. And you can find those dates on madisonviolet.com or you can also find them on all the social media networks as well. So without further ado, let's introduce you to Lisa and Brenly of Madison Violet right here on episode number 78 of the Adamantium podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in and we'll hope you tune in again next week. Have a great week, everyone. So we're here with Brenly and Lisa from Madison Violet. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's really cool. So 
Um, congratulations on the new album, first of all. Thank, Thank you. you. And 20 years, like that's an accomplishment for any any artist. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody. Anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I want to start it right from kind of the beginning. Um, because what's kind of interesting, I find really interesting, is both of you guys have these roots in Cape Breton Island, um, which seems to be kind of like a big influence uh, on your music. So uh, the first thing I want to ask was, what kind of, is there a particular sound or like historic sound from that region um, that you guys are influenced by? Um, I think, I, I mean, I grew up as a Celtic Scottish fiddle player. Okay. So there are definitely bits of that throughout our, our music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and I didn't really start playing in, in sort of folk singer songwriter bands until I was about 16, 17. So I came from a fully trad world. And so that creeps into our music for sure. Although we've, in harmonies, you're always like the Rankins. And yeah, I listened to a lot of those sort of Rankins and Bear McNeils and, you know, sang in the choir growing up. So that was, that's sort of my foundation is mm-hmm. a lot of harmony laden. And and that's that's the the way the East Coast goes is like kitchen parties. There's there was always fiddles and more so fiddles in my kitchen, more so singing in your grandma's kitchen. It was just yeah. down the road from me. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a mile down the road. And I, I mean, my love for music didn't really start. Well, I mean, I was I grew up spending two weeks every summer in Cape Breton. I grew up in Montreal and in Ontario, yeah. but my father's from Cape Breton, down okay. the road from Lisa. So I spent my summers going there. And I, my real, like, I got my first real taste of music in Cape Breton of, like, the songwriting that I liked. Okay. And it was my cousin Bradley down on the beach okay. sitting around a fire singing a Neil Young song, mm-hmm. which I'd never heard Neil Young in my life. Right. So I heard it. I heard Neil Young the very first time on the beach, like, on Lisa's beach, basically, mm-hmm. where... And, but yeah, we didn't know each other for another... I was going to say, did you guys meet there, or did you meet no, here? No, no. And, I, and I, I mean, I had spent so much time with Brenly's family. I was okay. in the choir That's... with her uncle. Her Aunt Helena taught me religion classes. Her Aunt Alice was my school teacher, and I was on a ball team with her cousins. So okay. there was this sort of long-standing history with her family, and I didn't even know that they had a relative that was a musician. Yeah. Hmm. And because and and we were different ages, like we're a decade apart in ages. Right. So that would, you know, when I went down, when I went to Cape Breton, um, we never hung out because of the age difference. Right. Right. And yeah. but then, so we met in Toronto just totally by accident. Um, so what brought you both? Well, you grew up here. What brought you to Toronto? Was it a music career? I it, well, it was. I was. Um, I graduated high school okay. and I decided. I'm going to become a pharmacist. Actually, it was right before. I don't know what I was thinking. I have no idea what I was thinking. I thought it was the only way to get into the medical uh, scene without having to do all the gory stuff. Okay. And um, so I was performing with this guy named Bruce Guthrow in his band, and he got a gig as the lead singer of a band called Runrig in Scotland, which Runrig were massive, had been playing for, I think, probably at least 20 years by that point. And they were playing like you know arenas and stadiums. So okay. he left, took that gig, and I was like, "Well, I don't have a gig now, so I'm just gonna pack up a hockey bag <laughs> that doesn't have lesbian written over it. I don't know what does. <laughs> I, I I packed up a hockey bag full of you know my clothes and my fiddle, 
and I moved in with a stranger, uh, okay. a friend, wow. a friend of a friend needed a roommate. So I moved in and moved right on at like Lure and Christie. And, okay. And I just sort of was like Christie Pitts. I took yeah, and I, I took all my savings that I had made playing square dances growing up and okay. just moved up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so obviously you guys both came from kind of musical families already. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up with it. What and what fueled you guys then as as either individuals or together to to write songs, your own songs. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer, I'd say. I mean, I started playing guitar shortly after my my hearing my cousin doing Neil Young. My right. brother had gotten a guitar. Okay. He's three years older than me, so I remember going back, you know, being really intrigued mm-hmm. by the guitar, having heard my okay. heard my cousin play that song, you know, and I wanted to learn how to do that. So I just started sneaking into my brother's room, started playing guitar. Started playing a lot of the Eagles, Neil Young, Cat Stevens, and then when Tracy Chapman came out, I got her chord book, and you know that was like the first kind the of chord books. Wow, the yes. chord books, <laughs> yeah. So I started because he's got the lyrics and the chords, right? right? Yeah. And uh, so I started playing Tracy Chapman and uh, Sinead O'Connor when Mandinka came out. Yeah. Like so, that's really when I started having this sort of affinity for songwriting. Yeah. But I had no idea that I could. Right, could songs. do it yourself. Okay. No, and, and then just... yeah, and then I, you know, I finally got into a decided to get into a cover band, and in that cover band, some of the didn't guys, you put like an ad in Now magazine or something? No, I put an ad yeah. at, a, at a music store actually. Okay. Yeah, and uh, that you were looking to be in a band. Yeah, and then but while I was sort of putting up my name, I saw a band looking for a lead okay. singer. And uh, I went to a couple of auditions. A couple I stood outside and didn't go in. Okay. Um, I, li- I was way too that. nervous. Yeah. I was very much a closeted uh, singer and right. guitar okay. player. Like, I never left my brother's room. Okay. Yeah. And um, But then I, heard, I got caught singing in a staircase in college. And uh, I was singing, uh, oh my God, what's her name? She, she big pop artist. I think we're alone now. Tiffany? Yeah, Tiffany. <laughs> okay. I was singing a Tiffany song. And you weren't alone. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, and I thought I was alone. You thought you were alone. And right? I was, you know, how it sounds in a staircase. Yeah. It's like the acoustics are amazing. Yeah. And I was just letting it wail. And uh, when I, I got to the you. top of the stairs, my two friends, Lydia and Marianne, were like, what the? You know, like, yeah. who knew you could sing? And yeah. so then they dragged me out to a to like a, a place one night like where they had a uh, not karaoke a but jam band or something a jam like that. band yeah. exactly and I got up and I did Beast of Burden really by the Rolling Stones wow and uh, that's I, not an easy one either I know yeah <laughs> um, you got the bug that's a hard got, like uh, debut <laughs> yeah well I actually when I, I was working at Red Lobster and I met this okay. like, waiter <laughs> yeah. and he was a singer and he and I went to Canada's Wonderland one day Okay. and we went into the booth. Remember they used to have the yes. recording booth? I and we went once. in and we sang, we recorded he Beast of Burden. Burden. So he did the, the, he did the first verse and I did the second verse. Okay. I have that recording somewhere. I wish I could find oh, it. That would be a Like an old cassette of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think and everyone did that. Wonderland booth at some point. Yeah. It's kind of too bad they got rid of it. I know, right? I did 
Angel by Shaggy. Oh, <laughs> nice. my buddy. Oh, it's That's so bad. Awesome. It's so bad. We found it like a few years later, and it's like you're gonna have to really put it on your hard. podcast. It's really hard to listen to. It's like very embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think I went back a second year to do Atlanta Miles. Oh. Uh, Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I think I did a Loretta Lynch song one time, Coal Miner's Daughter. You know what you should do? You just record a whole album there. Save us all all the recording fees. <laughs> I know. We gotta get them to hook that back up. Um, anyway, yeah, I just and then I just decided to start writing on my own. And then I met this guy, uh, Adrian Larishan, who had okay. a studio out in uh, Terracotta, mm-hmm. and I brought him some of the songs that I had been working on. And then we started a band together called Zoe Bliss. Okay. And those were the first sort of my own songs on a on a record. Okay. Yeah. And what about what about you, Lisa? I hadn't really written anything other than fiddle tunes until I met Brenly, and it was when I moved okay. to Toronto. Uh, it was pretty sh- shortly thereafter. We just met. Uh, by sort of freak of nature at the green room. Okay, um, green room. Yeah, appropriately yeah. titled. Mm-hmm. And um, Brandy at the time had been auditioning fiddle players, like violinists for yeah. her band, and and nothing had panned out. So she asked me to come out and jam with the band, and mm-hmm. then sort of I joined the band, and then I. Yoko won't hold the band. <laughs> no, it just, it sort of just disbanded naturally after a little while. You guys had just finished your second album. Mm-hmm. And Bramley was the only one, and myself, that were doing music full time. Right. All the rest of the band members had sort of day jobs. And so we sort of split off and started Mad Violet at the time. Mm-hmm. We were called Mad Violet for about the first seven or eight years. And then we just, you know, Bought a camper van and ran away and started writing, mm. and that's how we ended up writing our first record. And my, really, my first bit of writing ever. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And now here we are, twenty years yeah. later. Yeah. And we've got. So let's talk about the new album. Everything's shifting. Um, and for one, did you guys? How did you guys celebrate twenty the twenty year anniversary? And well, the album. Well. It will be celebrate? it will be October of this year. Oh, it'll this be is October. the twentieth so year. So what's the what's the plan for October? You know what? We actually haven't made a plan yet. We're, we're actually we speaking of something. chord books. We're, we are in in October. Uh, we'll be putting out our first sort of song simplified chord books. Oh, okay, cool. We have a, a lot of people who ask us and write us saying, "What are the chords for this? How to do this?" And we're like, right. "This sort of will be our our uh, volume one." Okay. Of hopefully many to come. Yeah. So, so will it be like a, a will it be of the new album or will it be like a greatest hits? It's a mixture for okay. sure. We put out sort of on all on all the socials, all the social medias. Yeah. And uh, sort of asked fans what they which songs they which want. songs they wanted, and okay. we went through and sort of picked all the ones that had multiple mm-hmm. requests. And uh, yeah, so we have a party. We haven't. Even, I realize that we have to have this. a party. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. February, like, so February fourth. 2020 mm-hmm. will be our uh, first, our first gig. gig ever, okay. which was on the radio, right? Okay. Was it, was it at Ted's Reckon Yard? So it's kind of hard to determine which is the actual. Well, the so date we met October 31st. I think we consider that because that was the, that was the, yeah. the moment that okay. we we met. And is that at the green room? Yeah. yeah. At the in the annex. Yeah. 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 Okay. The last time we were there, we decided to go back. Was and it a Halloween party or? No, kind of I don't. I don't 
recall. It was during the day. Yeah, and I and okay. I but I do recall the last time we went there, we were like, let's go to reminisce and have a have a bite to eat, and a rat ran between my feet. So I was say, it's so, not I, the most so I was like, of places. but it's now turned into a condo. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. A lot of places yeah. around there have been... I mean, Honest Ed's is gone and everything. Yeah. I know. I, I don't live in Toronto anymore, and I just drove by for the first time yesterday. Yeah. And that's... Sad. I knew it was going, but yeah. it was supposed to be going five I know, it's really ago, funny, because we... I was talking about it with a friend recently, and we were both like, yeah, man, that's so sad, these historic places. Like, we were saying, like, Honest Ed's is gone. Mm. And then both of us are like, granted, I don't think I ever went into Honest Ed's. Right. Like, well, I guess that's why it's closed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay, so the new album, um, it you know it explores themes of love and loss and, and memory. Um, is this is is everything shifting kind of like a stamp of things from the last few years from the last since the last album, or is it kind of an overview of the last twenty years? I think it's more telling stories of the last twenty years, and and more more so the stories that have kind of followed us around that we haven't really wanted to talk about. Like okay. this is, you know... There, there are several topics that we didn't want to touch because we've been sort of... A little bit of hesitation because, you know, our parents are still here and we didn't, you know, you censor yourself. Mm-hmm. And we decided to not censor ourselves at all on this record. Okay. So we've hit on some topics that, you know, there's a song called All Over Again, which is about when my brother Ashley came out mm-hmm. and sort of the crazy backlash and all and it's sort of a song of of uh my reaction to Mm -hmm. how how it all sort of came to fruition in Cape Breton in a small town where it was a huge scandal right and uh and I think I read he's a musician as well too right yeah yes yeah it's uh his name is Ashley Isaac yes yes and he uh you know he came out sort of with a splash and it did not go over well in Cape Breton. Okay. And uh, it's a song about even sort of wanting to ha- wanting a do over. And you how know? how long ago was this? This was in the mid nineties. That's when he when he came out. Yeah, and he oh, and okay. he was coming out, and there was it was a huge big scandal because there was he was coming out in the Advocate uh, in America, right. which is a pretty large yes yeah. gay publication, and there was a big scandal with that with McLean's magazine and him, mm-hmm. and it was so it was. You know, it was there was a lot of drama for a while in a mm-hmm. small town in Cape Breton, and then you know there's other songs where we've 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 written a lot about family, mm-hmm. I think. So so a song like All Over Again was that you kind of <coughs> reminiscing about that period, or is this something that had kind of been growing over? I think I just I, I just didn't really feel like broaching that topic right. I think it took okay. us a long time to be open about like for the first 10 years of our of the band we were in a, we were a couple yes yeah. and for the last 10 we've not been mm-hmm. but we were you know we were always pretty I don't want to say guarded but always pretty we, we kept our personal life pretty quiet for right. a long time and due to a lot of recommendations at the of beginning yeah. some bad advice um, 20 I think years ago yeah I think what it is is like those are kind of we don't you don't know you don't know it at the time, right? But it's quite a trauma, right? Mm-hmm. When you when your your brother comes out in a t- tiny community and it's a yes. shock to the family and you're you're embarrassed and you're humiliated, and you realize now like oh my god he just yes. was in love with another man that's yeah. all you yeah. know like yeah. no big deal. Did he did he come out before you did? Oh yeah, God yeah. Okay, yeah. so he. So did that make it? That must have made it much harder for you seeing the reaction. I was in I was in junior high. Like right. I was still in school. So yeah. 
it was a big, uh, and he at the time was sort of at the height of his career. So, right. you know, three, 400,000 records, people knew his name in yeah. Canada. So I was like, you know, going to school and seeing stuff carved in the desks and, right. you know, and that was hard as a, mm-hmm. I don't know how old I would have been, maybe four, 15, something, 14. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's it's not an easy thing to react to when you're... I was living a pretty sheltered life in Cape Breton. Right. Um, did, hindsight. Right. You know? And did that affect your decision to decide when you came out? Well, that whole moving to Toronto, I think it was... Um, I think I was also going, mm, something, I feel something different and I don't know what's going on and I need yeah. to get the hell out of Dodge. You need right. to go explore that. I need to go explore that. Mm-hmm. And that's when I did pack up the hockey bag and move to Toronto. And right. Um, and then when Brenly and I got together, we, you know, got a pretty big manager in America who said, you need to just, you know, put a pin in this and keep quiet. And this was, this would have been 2000 or something, probably. Mm-hmm. So almost 20 years ago. And it was, that's, so we bought a camper van. We souped it up and we ran away to the desert and wrote a record and just kept it under wraps and rented an apartment with two rooms two, yeah. two rooms in it for right. how many years you know and that's what the song the the song tell me is about no yeah that's yeah, yeah. It's and a, that yeah and the video is kind of a story of a story of, of of those road trips yeah yeah exactly which was very i i, I thought it was very cool thank you and um, so was that a song like like tell me was that um, was it kind of challenging to write now, especially that you're not a couple anymore? Was it challenging to write now, or did it kind of just roll? That's roll one naturally? of those songs where we wrote it, we didn't even realize what we were writing about. Right. It just like in the once the song was done, it was like, yeah. oh, hang on a second, that's uh, that's really resonating all of a sudden, yes, you know? Because yeah. yeah, we just, I mean, you know, when you get into another relationship too. Mm-hmm. Like we're both in new relationships. Well, I was, except for mine just ended. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so we have another record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it always makes for good fodder for songwriting. Um, but it's hard to like you know to write. You don't want to be writing about the the old love story or right. the you know because it's mm-hmm. it's hard in the new relationship. You're supposed to be sort of focusing on mm-hmm. fo- you know sort of nurturing that new relationship Mm -hmm. so it took us a while to get comfortable enough to go okay there's it's safe here now our partners know that there there's no chance of us that love that was there is is very very strong but a very different kind of love yes it's a family kind of love you know what i mean and um yeah, so that, I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, that's incredibly mature, though. It's, it's like most people came to look at their exes. You know? Yeah, it's, well, I've yeah. always, I mean, I grew up with a, one of my friends hang, growing up. I remember being about 12 or 13 and learning that um, her parents, I mean, her parents had been divorced for quite a long time, mm-hmm. but I was invited over for dinner one time. And it was her mom and uh, her dad who were split up and their partners and they're all having a grand old time mm-hmm. at the dinner and it's like so they each left for their best friends mm-hmm. but they were all still best friends, best friends. <clears throat> yeah. and I thought oh my god this is like so amazing so civilized so civilized yeah. and also so if you really loved someone at one point 
Mm-hmm. You know, and you can look at it as not a failed relationship, but just a relationship that shifts into something else. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, the first tour we went out on, we wanted to rip each other's eyes out. Yeah. It was really hurt. It was yeah. really hurtful for both of us. Of course. Yeah. And we were looking for ways to hurt each other now, mm-hmm. you know? Well, we also went out, I think we went out on like a six week tour about a week after we had decided to call oh, it wow. quits. Wow. That's yeah. tough. So. It was hard on us. It was hard on the band because yeah. they had to deal with the emotion. And, of course. And um, but you know what? I think and and people in the industry, movie, yeah. our label, <laughs> yeah. our label, everybody was like, "This is done. The band's really? over." And, and we were like, we were like, no, it's not. You just wow. have to have a little faith, and we'll get through it. And well, yeah. it helps when you're contracted out. Of you. <laughs> so you yeah. don't have to fulfill those contracts, right. you know, yeah. or you're never really getting back in. Right. So that was a that was kind of a, a blessing, really, mm-hmm. to keep us together. Right. Yeah, Finish. and then we once we realized, like you know, we had that space. Um, we realized that creatively, we still really, really liked doing it. We mm-hmm. really liked writing together and and working together, and we travel better than anyone could be mm-hmm. could travel together. Right. Like it's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, so then, so the song, so song like "Tell Me" was that. How did you guys decide? Okay, let's let's make let's tell people the story of our early years. I think it was we we had been in uh, so Brenly's living in uh, Santa Monica right now, and we, we okay. had done our uh, events, and we very nice. We had done a, we had <laughs> yeah. done a gig at a place called McCabe, a really funky guitar shop that turns okay. into a live venue at night, and this director it was McCabe's that she saw us right mm-hmm. um Jillian Martin um she saw us I think twice and she was like I really want to make a video for you I feel mm-hmm. like you need something to tell a story and so put together a director you were friends with no uh no she was just uh, she actually is she works with a friend of mine who's, okay. a, who's a producer so they're kind of a team right. Jillian's a director Denny's okay. a producer and so Denny approached me and said hey Jillian really loved the shows she'd love to do a oh cool you know a video for so you she guys she you yeah yeah and um, so we started we picked the song well we picked a couple of songs and she really kind of gravitated towards Tell Me and uh, and then my partner at the time um, she's a creative director and mm-hmm. her and I went for a walk one day and we were just talking, thinking about sort of a, a, you know, an idea behind it. And you know, I was like, well, you know, on this, when we first started making this record, our, we called him Charlie, our van, our camper mm-hmm. van used to break down all the time. Okay. And we used to have to get under it and smack it with a hit the starter yeah. with a sledgehammer. <laughs> so it was like, you know, this trial of like, are we going to get across the country or yeah. not? Like. How are we going to do this? Yeah. And so we just like, you know, tell me when you get your heart working. And it was just like, wow. you know, the heart of the vehicle is yeah. in the starter, right? Yeah. <laughs> if the- you can't start the vehicle, you you, you got to start the heart, right? Right. So we just base it on that. And, uh, okay. and they put together, uh, between the three of them, they put together like a 15-person team that all was a labor of love. They all mm-hmm. sort of de- dedicated their time for free, and we went to Joshua Tree for yes. a couple of days. And it was... Uh, we yeah, hired- the video really complements the song perfectly. Yeah, she's a, yeah, she's a beautiful director. Yeah. And yeah. She's such a... She's 
got such a good vision. And, yeah. yeah. And Joshua Tree is such an awesome place. Mm-hmm. To and go. it was for you. Actually, I don't know if you, when you look at the video, you won't be able to tell, but so in between takes, they were putting us like hats and mittens and oh, really? it was freezing and raining. So really? when we were sitting there and you can't see it by, by the end, I would say the last hour and a half that we were performing in the desert. Yeah. It was drizzling down on us, so Bramley's hands had gone blue, they were freezing, and it was, they were constant, our noses were red, and, but, uh, yeah, luckily they were able to make it, so, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, very cool. Yeah, Joshua Trees, I've never been myself, actually, but it's on... Bucket list? It's on the bucket list, so it's a very soft spot for, well, I mean, one of my favorite albums is the Joshua Tree. Mm, so, such a great record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have a Joshua Tree tattooed on my head. Oh, cool. It's my hey. only tattoo, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, you drew it? No, it's the one from the YouTube. It, oh, it's the one from oh, the YouTube. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I'll tell you this. It's, I've, I've said it on the podcast before, so I'll tell you the story afterwards. Okay. But, yeah. Um, I saw that concert three times. The, on the 30th tour. anniversary one? The, 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 the Joshua the Tree. One. Yeah, the original wow. one. Wow. Okay. You're, you're like, I went to the 30th anniversary Oh, one. nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was... Minus one when it came out. Right. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't. I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I think almost very close to exactly a year after it came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What year was that? Eighty-seven. It came out. I was born eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that would have been then when yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. Now I've seen I've seen you two four times, and they're my favorite band of all time. Nice. My laugh was in one of their shows. Yeah, what? that's right. So, so it's a strange story. So okay. John Reynolds, who produced our first two albums uh, in the UK in London, yeah. he works with you two. He does a lot of the what is the, vi- the music in the visuals in the visual stuff. So he syncs up music with the visual stuff. And anyway, so he was like, "I need a child's laugh." We were okay. there recording a record, I think, at the time. Yeah. Where? And, uh, in London. In, in London, okay. Yeah. And this, I'm not sure which tour this is. This is the tour where it went around in the circle, I think. Oh, that. the 360 tour. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he recorded my laugh and put it in with the visuals. Really? So I was like, I've laughed on their whole oh, tour. You've laughed in front of <laughs> hundreds of thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. Should be getting residuals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Royalties. <that's it. laughs> yeah. I've seen, it's now my, so my, my parents are Irish, so I grew up listening to, to you two. And so now it's like... The next thing I have to do is go see them in Ireland. So yeah, yeah. we we met a woman who used to live in his neighborhood. She's uh, yeah. yeah. So she um, she lives now in uh, uh, what's the where she lives in Australia, the south of Perth. No, Suzanne. Oh. She lives on the island. Oh, in Tasmania. In Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's she's Irish and she used to live in his neighborhood. And he used to go. So it's this trick. He runs with this really beautiful woman with like large so that no one recognizes so no one sees him running oh because no one sees him they only see her it's pretty smart right it's funny funny because we've talked it's funny I've only ran with him three or four times that's clever that's clever it's actually me (laughs) that's very clever we it's funny because like I'd say a quarter of these podcasts we end up talking about YouTube. Really? I always bring it up or something. That's funny. But have you read had... At the End of the World? You two At the End of the World by no. Bill... Frizzell? No, no, not Frizzell. Oh, that's Bill Frizzell. Bill Patterson, maybe? Or Bill Summer. I can't remember. Really good. Okay. I read that like 20 years ago. I had a producer on this show, Mark Howard, who <laughs> produced uh, All That You Can't Leave Behind, or part of it mm. anyways. So, and that was like part of the reason I was like, yeah, let's have him on. And uh, he was telling me 
a story where uh, basically like he went out with Bono and it's like it's almost impossible to go out with Bono because everyone recognizes mm. him so he wears whatever and trying to disguise himself and some like they were at a pub and some drunk guy said oh like, I know you're Bono or whatever and apparently a lot of times he's like he speaks in a French accent so people he says um, oh no no I, I look like Bono but I'm like, that's so funny yeah. <laughs> well now we're gonna blow your mind okay because we, we have a friend who's worked with Bono yeah. many, many times. Ryan Eno. Yes, yes, like, I have a question. Oh, yeah, I had that. Yeah, so we've okay. hung out with him many times because of he has these singing nights. With Brian or you've hung out with, with Bono? No, with Brian. Okay. Brian. <laughs> like, no, not yeah. Bono, no. <laughs> but he's... Yeah, I uh, mean, incredible, like, his his list of accomplishments. Well, I was more excited. I would have been more excited to meet Brian Eno okay. than Bono okay. just because of his, like... His legacy, yeah, it's crazy. music yeah. and, like, the whole thing, you know? He's yeah. incredible. He's an amazing person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys have worked with him a number of times. No, we have never no. worked with him. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. Just, 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 we've gone to these, he has these sort of acapella singing nights on okay. Tuesdays. Oh wow! Okay. He invites. He invites. In us. California. No, in uh, in London. In London. In London. He's a okay. great. He's a good friend of John Reynolds, who's our gotcha good friend. They've, okay. Uh, worked together on a couple of records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was fun hanging out with him. I imagine. I imagine yeah. he's got some stories. And he's introduced us to some good music as well. Like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you guys, I think uh, in the email I got, it, it said you guys had hung out with, you know, Sinead O'Connor, which is, I know you had mentioned earlier already, so that must have been quite yeah. an experience for you guys well, as well. Well, she used to be married to John, so John and Sinead had gotcha. son and Jake, and so there's, I think that's how the connection started, and that's how we mm-hmm. yeah hanging out for a while there, because we were, we were spending a lot of time over in London when we recorded our first two right. records. While we recorded our first record... We were there for, I don't know, two weeks? Eight or, days. Or eight days. Mm-hmm. And then we flew back to Canada. And at the time, we were recording on a machine called Radar. Okay. And uh, John was getting the, the radars serviced mm-hmm. and said, there's material in here that hasn't been backed up. Uh, I need you to do all that before you do anything. The company didn't do it. Our whole album got erased. So we had to fly back over. And uh, and there was this big thing. All sort of everyone that John knew in in the scene over there, were, they were trying to figure out a way to retrieve our lost album. Ah, uh, okay. So which ca- created a good buzz for yeah. us over there yeah. before we even had a record. Yeah. And then we ended up going over for eight weeks, I think, and just moving in, and uh, just became part of the family. I think for a while there. And yeah. So, so that's guys, how you guys have re- relocated a few times. Yeah, I think. Okay. For for bits at a time. Bits at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Always maintain a home right. in Toronto. But yeah, we lived mm-hmm. in Geneva for a couple, couple months. months. Yeah. Lived in England for a couple months, but never more than okay. Okay. Yeah, Australia, I mean we would that's a long way to go. Maybe so we'll spend two or three months, you know. Yeah, at a time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now you're in California. Are you here still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I've been in California for almost two years now. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a nice area to be in too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. I've always wanted to drive the coast. Yeah. So I've never gone. The people have asked me, "Oh, you want to go to San Francisco for the weekend?" I'm like, "No, because I want to do the whole thing, and I won't settle for anything less." So right. I want to do that trip, rent a van, and just yeah. drive the entire coast. Yeah. Yeah. Get a VW with a bed, and you can. Yeah, just pull you know over. what? I I look. I keep trying to find that, but it's like because 
because I want to start like in Seattle and then finish in the Grand Canyon, there's nowhere you can kind of pick it up and drop it off, mm. like, a, like a rental car kind of thing. Yeah. So right. that is the dream, but I don't know if the, the VW is going to be realistic. You just go out there and buy a, just, a beater yeah. out of a car be, yeah. and then do it and then just, just sell it. it. <laughs> well, we did that in Australia. We, I, yeah. we on one of those three-month trips. We, okay. we bought an old Mitsubishi uh, that, that had like filthy uh yeah like sh- sheep covered thing it was just and it got us from i was gonna say it's probably more affordable than renting a car we were there three months and then after three months uh, on the way to the airport we had a sign in our windows yeah hey, we're leaving the country basically by me yeah and somebody bought it that day wow and we got almost all of it back and wow. yeah it was That's a good idea it was actually. a fun fun way to travel you just yeah. we only broke down was that a the east times. you did the east coast Australia? I think at that point we bought it in, we started in Perth and we flew to Adelaide and then we bought it in Adelaide, I think. And then just, we had it for months and months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, sorry, kind of stepping back a a bit. So we were talking about tell me. And so when that song was written, like when you guys started, even the, the world's come a long way in the last 20 years, was it, you know, you, you even said your record label kind of told you guys to put a pin in it. Do you think now, had you guys been starting now, it would be your story would have been much different? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. once you've yeah. come out, you realize just like, why don't people come out? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. easier said than done. Everyone's mm-hmm. situation obviously is different, and I would never, ever try and entice someone to come forward with their story until they're ready right or to, to be authentic with mm-hmm. who they are till they're ready but man I, I don't know anyone who's come out and then just wish they'd never mm. right you know mm-hmm. it's just so freeing yeah yeah so yeah we would if I wish we'd come out a long time before I wish we hadn't outright lied when asked right because we did have journalists ask us about our relationship before we were ready to come clean with it mm-hmm. and we completely denied it Wow. Well, and one of the reasons why we came out initially was not one of the reasons, but before we were really ready, is that there's a, a magazine on the East Coast called Frank Magazine. Okay. Which is basically like the East Coast National Enquirer. Okay. It's just really smutty. Okay. And a journalist uh, contacted me who was married to someone I knew and basically said, uh, I'm going to write your story and either... I'm going to contact everyone in your life and dig up all the dirt, or you can do an interview with me. Wow. So basically, he blackmailed us into right. coming out. And I'm, I was pretty bitter at the time. Yeah. Uh, but we are like, okay, well, we might as well guide, sort of guide, guide the ship here and, mm-hmm. and do the interview and, and get our truth out rather than wow. him write some BS story. Right. And then we ended up coming, I think it was the, we did the cover of Extra and basically just okay. said, okay, here we are. Yeah. And, uh, but mm-hmm. that was, that was an uncomfortable moment because I don't, I don't think we had even talked to our parents at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think we had to, we were, had to come clean. Yeah. Well, and you guys must be pretty happy with the way, I mean, ha- happier with the way things are going now. You know, it's, it's very encouraged now for people to be open. Yeah. I think are. we're moving forward. I think I there's think still a lot of work lot to, of do, to do, but, but, yeah. but it's, you know, coming forward a little bit each day Mm -hmm. absolutely um one thing that i i've got i was listening to some of the the early work uh last night um and one song i picked out in particular was wake up 
Um, <laughs> which, I mean, and it makes sense. You guys met in 99. That album came out in 2000. It's got a very nostalgic 90s feel to it. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious because I've, I've, I'm a 90s kid, so I've got a lot of nostalgia. We've had Biff Naked on this show and nice. we had Snow and Maestro Fresh West. So I love like the 90s. Cool. We <laughs> just we did a gig with Maestro. Yeah, he's a nice, he's a great dude. Yeah. yeah, he gave me some great advice too, actually, I have to say. Cool. Was, yeah. Um, so I was, I was just curious, uh, when you guys first met, what were you guys listening to at the time? Oh, well, I know for sure that I was still listening to a lot of Neil Young because Lisa wouldn't let me play it. Okay. She couldn't stand his voice. Now she loves him. Okay. She finally gets it. Okay. <laughs> and it, it only me, took a year or something. It, it, he was a grower, but then I, because I just, I didn't, I didn't listen to a lot of songs at the time. I was okay. listening to a lot more instrumental stuff. And, gotcha. Okay. Um, but I was, just, I mean, I was really into the Brit hop, Brit pop scene. Like okay. I listened to a lot of Stone Roses, and right. I was okay. heavily into U two yeah. up until probably Actung Baby. I think that was yeah, my yeah, one of the best. That's one of my favorite. departure actually after that. Okay. I don't know why. Just it, you know, I just drifted into listening to probably more. I got rightly into Cat Stevens yeah. for a while. But with Zoe Bliss, you were, I mean, you had Zoe a bit Bliss, more, I got into more like Chiba and Portishead and Massive Attack. Okay. Yeah, I got right into the trip-hop kind yeah. of air. scene. Okay. Air, yeah. Because I even got a bit of like a Alanis Morissette vibe or Sheryl Crow type of vibe. Yeah, those that. were Alanis Morissette and, and, and Sheryl Crow were definitely like those first two records of theirs mm-hmm. were incredible. Listen yeah. to them. Inside Out, David Gray, we listened to a lot. When we first met, we started yeah. listening to David Even like Macy Gray, when that when that Macy album came out, right? Incredible, yeah. yeah. Bonnie Raitt, mm-hmm. listened to a lot of Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. Yeah, I Phoebe saw, Snow. We were yeah. really into Phoebe Snow. Okay. I saw Sheryl Crow this summer, actually, for the first time. Nice. And um, she still sounds fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I actually forgot how many hits she had <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, I know. this one and this one yeah yeah so yeah um and then in 2010 you guys were nominated for a Juno Award um and also it's crazy you guys won the John Lennon songwriting award mm-hmm. take me can you tell me about that experience of that I mean that was obviously a very big year for you guys what was it like all you know um now getting all this kind of public acknowledgement it's funny because I think I think that was probably one of the saddest records we had ever written Mm -hmm. content wise it was uh, you had Brandy had lost her brother yeah um, and he sort of became the muse yeah so yeah so it was kind of bittersweet right because a lot of really great things were happening with the record but the record was such a sad one and I was still really dealing with that trauma wow okay so it's a bit of a blur Yes, yeah. you know, and we didn't even know, like we didn't even know how to capitalize on that. As a matter of fact, we kind of made a completely different record after that. Mm-hmm. Like we could have like really built on okay. that, yeah. But we didn't. We kind of went in a bit of more, a little bit more of a poppier direction again, um, and we broke up mm-hmm. uh, within like not long after that. Right. So. There was just a lot going on in our so life. A lot yeah. going on, so we didn't even get to celebrate it. But I mean, 
that's the thing with success, right? It's quite often when the success comes, you don't, you don't even know how to celebrate it because right. that's it's not it's the journey getting there. That's the yes. thing we're yeah. we're like ignited with or ignited mm-hmm. by. You know, the things that really get us inspired are not the the awards, not the right, not it's the, the journey. Yeah, that yeah. said, the awards don't it's hurt. Pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, it's still pretty cool. <laughs> But, you know, I hear from a lot of people that they're like, you know, that period was, especially because it's, then you're also so busy, you're thrown left, right, and center, and it's yeah. like, it's almost like a blur. I almost didn't have time even to mm-hmm. enjoy it or, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast yesterday on Hidden Brain about happiness and how, yeah. like, we are, it's like what we are, you save for the new car and you got the new car, but it's really like, oh, the, the kind of picking out the new car and thinking fun, about yeah. the new car was the great thing about the new car. Yeah. Now that I'm in it, I'm like, well, now what's next? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, 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 we're horrible people. Yeah. We are. <laughs> it's true. It's the, yeah, it's the buildup, you know, it's uh, yeah. the excitement and the lead up. Well, that's like it's that same book. with anything. That's like that book you're, we were listening to the audio book and they're talking about there's the donut. And you're so excited and you're salivating. You're like, you've waited all day and you're like, this is the most most exciting thing of my day. And then you eat it and you're like, well, I liked the hour before when I was excited. Right. Yeah. And then it's gone and now I've put on 600 dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you could just think about it. But I mean, there's a science, there's a science behind that. It's like the sugar, Mm -hmm. you know, kick fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a serotonin release or yes, something, that's right? That's it. Yeah. So this, there, so, and they discovered it with with uh, with monkeys. They were really? giving them yeah. sugar water, right? And the monkeys would have this release of I don't know if it is serotonin, it's serotonin or cortisone or whatever Something. it is. And and then the next time they brought the sugar water, it so they once they tasted it, they got the shot. Yeah. The second day when they they saw the sugar water, they got the sh- they got oh, the release. Interesting. So they wouldn't get any more when they taste it. Yeah, and but then also it grows too, where it's like you need more sugar water mm. to get the same amount of release. Right. Too. Well, now all I want is sugar water. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> they say that with like cookies, like you know, or like something like that. It's uh-huh. like you used to get a satisfaction from eating one cookie, now you have to eat four. Well, it's like Pringles. You just right. have one. You yeah. Double tube. Yeah. Yeah. In take, take, taking that one step further on this podcast, yeah. they were saying so if let's say you buy a shirt an item of clothing Mm -hmm. and you have an option you've got 30 days to bring it back yeah quite often you'll bring it home you don't know whether it looks good on you or not yeah but if you go to a shop that says they don't have a return policy you look you buy the shirt you know that shirt looks goddamn good on you right you just accept that that looks good on me right but if you know you can return it you never know yeah it's so weird but that's how we're wired yeah if we have options then it's we're true, not yeah. secure in our decision. That's true. Yeah, actually, I just had an experience like because I was I was just the best man in my friend's wedding. Yeah. And we had these suits that were custom altered, mm. and I bought a suit just two years ago that I love. I think it fits perfectly or whatever. And this one that was fit to or made to fit or whatever, I was never satisfied. I mm. kept bringing it back to him because I was like, this this part's not right. This right. Part's not right. Mm. But if it just came that way. I probably wouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. And I was just, everyone was like, why do you keep bringing back the same? Because it's not right. <laughs> there you go. There you Sometimes go. too many choices. I didn't, I didn't know that that's what my brain was doing, but you just. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's called Hidden Brain. I'll send you the podcast. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear it. Um, well, this bit we actually kind of touched on already. Um, uh, the last, one of the last couple of things I want to ask you about, you guys, 
know how to play multi-instruments and um, I love asking people who, who are multi-instrumentalists what are their favorite items in their collection hmm. um, well I have a tenor guitar a okay. 1958 harmony tenor that I've had for about 22 23 years okay and uh, yeah it's just every time that's I your favorite open, piece yeah I open my case and I just there you are yeah you know what I mean yeah and uh, yeah, I just I really love it, mm-hmm. and I hate changing strings on a guitar, but I really like changing the strings on that one because mm-hmm. okay. I have to be very careful about the bridge, and I can only do one string at a time. And just yeah, I just I don't have to pull the things out; it slides through the end like a fiddle, you know the. Um, uh, and yeah, just so I when I'm when I'm with it, I'm really present. Okay. With it, yeah. Okay. I say it's my fiddle. Your fiddle. Yeah, I. Uh, when I was, I don't know. And have you had the same fiddle for? I was maybe, tw- I feel like I might have been twelve or thirteen, and mm-hmm. a and a guy showed up at our house, uh, with, uh, thinking that maybe my brother would want to buy a, another fiddle, add a right. fiddle to his collection. How many does he have? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. He, I mean, it depends on if it's been stepped on or thrown across a room or. Right. <laughs> Um, but he he has multiple. But I was young, and this this man showed up with a trunk full of fiddle cases. Okay. And I went out, and I had been you know playing square dances at the time, and so I had some pocket money, and I that was sort of my first real purchase. And okay. I've been, I've you been still have it. I've been playing it. It's the only one I tour with. Okay. What fiddle were you playing before? One of Ashley's old ones or something? Yeah, I think it was actually a um, like a seven eighth size fiddle, mm-hmm. not a full size fiddle. Okay. And I moved to a full size, and I bought my own, and it's been on the road for the last twenty five years. Wow. Yeah. Wow, incredible. What about do you guys have any unique instruments? Well, my tenor's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, yeah, if somebody asks you about the tenor, I would say just about every show. Yeah. Oh, really? Eh? Or more than one per people. Really? How's it tuned? How's it? Yeah, they, right. it's a very interesting sound. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's quite unique. I used to have a 1931. Do you remember where you got it? <laughs> yeah, Songbird on, on uh, Queen Street in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a singer-songwriter named Veda Hilly who was quite big. Well, she's still uh-huh. a fabulous songwriter, mm-hmm. still tours, I think. But I discovered her back in the 90s, late 90s, and uh, she was playing an electric tenor guitar in Guelph. Okay. Started a show in Guelph. It's the first time I'd ever heard of a tenor. Yeah. And, uh, like, a couple of days later, I'm going by this, walking along Queen Street, and I'm in Songbird, and I see this four-string guitar hanging there. Yeah. And, uh... I asked them how much it was. They said four hundred bucks, and I said I got one hundred fifty dollars. And they said sold. And it's been here forever. Just wow. take it. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's I know, a great and I story. never barter. Yeah. Never. Right. She's the barterer. Yeah. But for some reason, I just—that's all I had—and I just said it out loud with whatever yeah. voice was going on in my head. I said it out loud, and uh, he the was hidden like, brain. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, they, they wow, that's trip. a great story. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And then I had to take it home and figure out how to play it, how to tune it, how to string mm-hmm. it, and none of those things were right. And I've still stuck with that. Mm-hmm. The wrong strings, the wrong tuning, and it's perfect. It's the right tuning for you. It's right for me. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. It. It's all uh, perception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, before we wrap things up, why don't we tell the listeners when they can get a chance to see you guys? 
Uh, I guess it depends on when you listen right. to hear it. Yes, yeah, that's that. I still got to figure out. Too, but, <laughs> but what? Give me something. Maybe a couple of dates that are coming up. And well, we're doing. We're playing in Toronto like next the September twenty sixth at Hughes. Okay. Room. Uh, and then for the rest of the year, there's... Um, Playing in Ottawa at the... At the NAC on December 5th, 5th. I think. And sort of Charlotte Lake and... Hamilton. Hamilton, Guelph. There's some... Grimsby. Some dates sort of in and around Ontario. And okay. then we, you know, when the new year starts, we, we've got uh, touring all the way out the West Coast. And, okay. Yeah. And we've got a full German tour in, in November. Okay, for our listeners in Germany. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Hello, Deutsch. Willkommen. There you go. Um, but I'm sure they can check Madison. What's, what's MadisonValley.com. They can find us on all all the socials. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Thank you guys so much for coming by. This Thank you time. so much, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.